0: I wasn't terribly surprised. I thought it made sense, dramaturgically.
1: Hello and welcome into another episode of the Dramaturgically Podcast. I'm your host as always, Stephen Clark. But today, for the very first time, I'm so, so excited, guys, to finally introduce the initial co-host of this podcast. When I started this podcast, I always wanted to have a co-host and um, I I spoke to to someone very close to me, uh, my, my beautiful girlfriend, Mia into into helping me kind of run this, run this podcast and giving it a, a bit of um, a bit of a collaborative um, conversational sort of dynamic. And finally, I think we're 13 episodes in now, um, I can finally introduce to you one of what will become our favorite co-hosts on the podcast, Mia Preto. Can you please talk to us about today's film?
0: Hello, um, my name's Mia. I'm also very excited to be here. Um, it's been a long time coming. And we finally sat down to actually record something, which is great. Um, but yeah, so let's, let's just get straight into the film that we're going to be talking about today, which is the pretty iconic Tokyo Story directed by Yasujiro Ozu from the year 1953. So to summarize Tokyo Story in a spoiler-free way, um, Tokyo Story is essentially about the journey of an elderly couple named Shu Kishi and Tomi who travel all the way from their small fishing village to visit their children in Tokyo. And what ensues is a family drama all about an elderly couple coming to terms with the fact that essentially, to put it bluntly, the children simply don't have time for them anymore. And it's absolutely heartbreaking and so relatable, and I can't wait to talk about it some more with you, Stephen.
1: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Mia. Like this film absolutely has a reputation of being iconic. I think um, in most of like the famous film lists, like the Sight and Sound film list and um, the Letterbox lists, it sits pretty comfortably in sort of the top ten range for a lot of these lists. So it's clearly a beloved film. Um, definitely from a beloved director as well. Like you said, Ozu is um sort of renowned as the grandfather of uh, Japanese cinema and was an inspiration to people like Kurosawa, and later people like Koreeda. Um, so absolutely, and this is this is well known as being what I would call his his masterpiece. Uh, so I was, I was pretty excited to watch this for a long time. So when we finally got the opportunity to watch this film, um, (laughs) it was a, it was a pretty big relief to me because it was like, I guess like, you know, when you knock (laughs) one of those big Mm, films off your list that you haven't seen. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I have told you this previously, but I am working on my Letterboxd Top 250. Yeah. And this is number 35. So I'm pretty happy that I've managed to up my stats a little bit, um, on this, but (laughs) statistics aside... No, I am absolutely so excited that we both had the chance to watch this, and we have the chance to discuss this now because I'm not gonna lie. Like, I knew that Tokyo Story was extremely, extremely beloved. Um, it's been ranked as some of the best, one of the best films, if not the best um, film ever made. Um, maybe I'm extrapolating here, but. Um, all no, I, I think, that, I, think, think, think correct, I think that's correct, correct. Though I think it's correct.
1: It's it's definitely like I have met people who will say that Tokyo Story is at least one of the most profound uh, profound cinematic experiences that they've had, um, yeah. I don't know, like a humanistic level, um, on a directorial level. Mm. Um, there, there is something extremely tangible about watching this movie, even watching it 70 years. Like, yeah. well, like this is the 70th anniversary mm-hmm. of this film. To think that that's oh, 70 that's seven years, years ago, years. Yeah. like really the only mm. thing that gives that away is obviously like the technical sort of aspects of the film. Yeah. But from a narrative standpoint, I mean, this film could resonate with... with um, modern audiences in Japan, modern audiences across the world today, absolutely. And I think it's a testament to um, the direction and to the storytelling that we can sit down here and watch this film 70 years ago and still be as emotionally connected as I know for a fact that we both were.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, I guess what I was originally gonna say was that, yeah, this film has been hyped up to eternity and mm. um, to <laughs> infinity. And it's always interesting for me to sit down and watch something which has been as hyped up as Tokyo Story is. Because yep. I always wonder, oh, how am I going to react to this? Am I going to love it as much as people say um, that I will? And if I don't love it, what does that say about me? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And I was actually really worried about watching this film. I'm not going to lie. Like, I thought it would be yep. quite difficult for me to get through because mm-hmm. I'm an impatient person at best. <laughs> and let's just say that Ozu's style it is beautiful, but it is slow. Sure. And I was a little bit worried, I'm not going to lie. I, w- I was worried that I wouldn't enjoy it as much as people said I would. But honestly, I can't, I really enjoyed it. It surprised me. Um I was extremely extremely um, invested in what was going on. And it was an incredibly, like you said, profound experience to journey with this elderly couple. I keep forgetting their names, so I'm going to refer to them as such, but That's okay yeah, yeah it, was, it was an incredible it was an incredible experience um, and like you said as well it is also amazing that a film that was made 70 years ago in black and white <laughs> and naughty and like a square almost a square aspect ratio yeah like a 4-3 or something like that yeah almost 4-3 like yeah. can still be so timeless mm-hmm. um, that's what I took away from this it's, this is an extremely timeless film it deals with themes that I think we can still all relate to yeah in our own way and that was that's absolutely incredible um for a film that originally had trouble um being released because it was too japanese
1: sure yeah you right. know what i
0: mean like the
1: distribution would have been a nightmare i imagine mm, for 50s audiences mm. yeah that's unbelievable yeah <laughs> that makes a lot of sense and like i i just love that these films get to have a sort of a second life um yeah in the eyes of modern audiences i mean cin- cinema Files have been loving this film since the day mm-hmm. it was released um but but for it to still you know have such resonance and such interest worldwide is, is fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we should probably delve into some spoilers now because I think that <laughs> it is kind of it is one of those films that is tricky to talk about without the spoilers because yeah. there is something that happens in the last forty five minutes yes. which I think that sort of turns Absolutely the film changed, on its head.
0: It changed the game for me. Yeah. Um, like I said previously, the film itself is extremely slow paced, as is the rest of Ozu's filmography. Um, that's just his style, but something happens. Like you said, Stephen, in the last 45 minutes of the film, which personally, I feel like I should have seen coming, Yeah. but I didn't. And when it happened, I was shocked. Um, I was flawed. I, I was thinking, oh my God, of course it was going to come to this. So we might as well just talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, so I guess, I guess the, the main thing that we're talking about and alluding to is, And we are sort of skipping ahead here, but I feel like this is the sort of film where you can jump around and talk Mm. about the themes um, because they are sort of segmented moments in the film. Um, And then we can go back and talk about like an overall sort of perspective of of what it's trying Mm. to say. But yeah, later in the film, the grandmother who um, the children have found it so hard to connect to, and she's found so hard to connect back with them, um, passes away. And this has a profound, uh, I guess, impact on not only the children, but also um, the, the the beloved character, um, whose name I'm forgetting now, as uh, well. Uh, um, Yeah. Oh,
0: dear. <laughs> What's her
1: name? It's, uh... A
0: Noriko? Noriko. Noriko. Yeah. Played by
1: Satsuko Hara, um, obviously an infamous figure in Japanese cinema in her mm. own right.
0: I'm not sure infamous, but definitely famous. Oh, definitely very, very famous. Wrong use
1: of the term there. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
0: <It's all right. laughs> Calling
1: me up already. Love it. Um, yeah, no, so yeah, obviously the, the grandmother passes away and essentially what we get to see in the last 45 minutes is all of the, the story coming together in terms of the family, not being able to spend time together. And we realise sort of how fleeting, you know, Mm. spending time with our family is and how, how much we, we have to just enjoy those moments while they last because you just never know when people can come in and out of your life. And I, I guess that. The importance of of living a kind life and living a life that that you feel is is loving and caring and sharing, Um, yeah. And it's just a it's just a very very emotional um, way to to end the film. You know, like we Mm. as as we know that the film basically is about these children being too busy for their parents. You know, their lives in Tokyo now have completely overtaken um, their sort of sense of family. Or in some cases, they have loyalty to family of their own, to their own children, yep. to their own wives. They have yeah. their own lives to live now. Yeah. Which is a really interesting thing that I don't think we've really talked about even off microphone, mm. is that that this film also sort of suggests that when you grow older and away from your parents and you, know, you no longer become your children's parents, no, you no longer become your parents' children, you become your children's parents. Yeah. And I think that that's like a really interesting uh, element of the film that it's just trying to say that, There is no sort of cutoff point, I guess, only when you have your own children do you feel that um, disconnected from your parents um, in that way. But then how do the parents reckon with that? And I just found that whole aspect so interesting.
0: That is actually a really good point. And now that I think about it, the only character who actually has time for the parents is the one who doesn't have children herself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, actually, no, there are two characters like that. So Mm. there's the widowed daughter-in-law, Noriko, who we've already mentioned. And there's also the younger daughter at home, Kyoko. Kyoko. They are the only two characters in the entire film who have time to look after their parents and recognize the importance of being there for their parents. Um, But they are also, whether this is a coincidence or not, I'm not sure... Um, they're also the only people who have very few obligations outside of that.
1: I, f- I, feel, like, I feel like it isn't a coincidence because the more and more I think about the, the thematic value of each character in the film, because there's a lot of characters, you know, there's a lot of children and there's a lot of like husbands and wives of children. I feel like they're all actually strategically placed in the narrative. Because mm. even thinking about uh, Noriko, um, obviously the, the widowed. The widowed uh, daughter-in-law of the grandparents, um, and how she has so much time to spend with with the grandparents, and she's so willing to give her time and take time off work, and yep. really make that sacrifice for mm. her parent-in-laws, um, who she doesn't even really that feel that connected to her dead husband anymore. She mentions as well. Yeah. So she, she's not doing it out of a sense of obligation in a way, maybe a little bit, but like in a lot of ways, she's just doing it out of the kindness of her heart.
0: Mm. And
1: I feel like this says that says a lot about. Um, the endearing nature of of found families and that aspect of yes these people may not be your birth parents um but they are people that you love and care about so you treat them with that respect love and time mm. um and maybe that's something that we take for granted um when we have it and when we don't have it like Noriko doesn't have it seemingly her own parents aren't really in the picture or are not at least around mm. and she doesn't have a husband around anymore and she does live this sort of secluded lifestyle as we see yeah um she she values that aspect of her life even more, whereas maybe the children who have families of their own take it for granted a little bit more. And I think that's yeah. just a little comment on society.
0: Yeah, and to add on to that, I also feel like when we have blood connections to members of our family, especially our parents, we mm-hmm. kind of take that sort of like unbreakable um, relationship for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, so the kids in the movie who are, well, related to um, the elderly couple by blood they kind of do with it as they will They'll they'll stretch time they'll they'll um quit making plans they won't they won't um follow through on plans they'll um stuff their parents into the top floor whereas noriko Mm. who has kind of more of a point to prove because she has to build that relationship it's not so ingrained um it's not so ingrained it's not so um what's the word for it like when something it's not so natural to her her. Yeah. yeah it's not so natural because she's an in law. Yep. You know, she has, she has like, she has, the relationship has to be managed and maintained and has to be initiated. And so she has like, yeah, she does have like a strong sense of obligation and mm-hmm. like, yeah. Mm, What's the word? Oh, I'm losing my words today. <laughs> that's right. What's yeah, the no. word? Um,
1: she has a sense of duty. She has a sense right. of duty. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, she has a very strong sense of duty to that. And she doesn't take it for granted because she knows that without putting in that extra effort, without going the extra mile, it will fade away. It will weaken and it will break. Yeah. Whereas for the kids, they sort of assume, well, you know, they're my parents. I can do whatever I want and my parents will forgive me because that's what parents do. For so, sure yeah yeah
1: no that makes sense a lot and i think Mm. i think it's something i've been thinking about as well with this film is that a lot of people do talk about this aspect right of the, the children um sort of letting their parents down or you know like there's a there's there's a lot of like nuanced sort of conversations you can have around you know the responsibilities and like like does does their parents visiting town overlap you know the the oldest son's like doctoral work, you know, when lives are in danger. What's the hierarchy of of life? Yeah. yeah. And I think you said in in your review that, that the film doesn't really offer any answers. It just sort of shows you a perspective of this one family. And it Mm. just shows, Hey, this is, this is the circumstance and these are the consequences of that circumstance. Yeah. And that's sort of like a critique on, on modern life as such, which mm. is interesting when you're talking about a film 70 years to talk about modern life, but <laughs>
0: it is extremely modern though. It's so relevant. Yeah. yeah. It is extremely relevant and like more on that as well. But I think I also touched on this in my review, but when I watched the film, I kind of, you know, you know how earlier we were talking about the idea that children grow up, they leave the nest, the mm. relationship with their parents becomes severed or strained at best. Yeah. Right. Um, it kind of forwarded the view for me that a family, like, you know, calling into question, undermining what a family is in the first place. Yeah. You know, because when we're young and we have kid, when we're kids and, you know, our parents are looking after us and we're all living together, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes so much sense. We all do things together. We eat together. You know, we go out together. We live together. We sleep together. We wake up at the same time. It makes a lot of sense. But when... Children grow up and they move out and they start building lives of their own. You're still sort of like separate, but you're also connected by that obligation of saying, hey, but we're still family. But what does that mean anymore when you don't live together, when you don't interact with each other as much as you do? And, you know, you start keeping secrets, you start hiding things, you start losing information about one another. It's sort of like a group a family in this film is sort of like a group of people who have all gone their own separate paths but, you know, have to pull themselves back together again and do all the family stuff and all the obligations because that's what they are.
1: That's a great point, made. that you're actually making. As you were saying that, I sort of had like a bit of a realisation as well of that's what they're fine. That's sort of what the last bit of the film is actually about because we we, we think, you know, as, as we're watching this film, like, yeah, it, it does sort of have that, I guess, not negative viewpoint, but it does sort of say like, yeah, like what, like what is the point of family once you go different ways and sort of what is the use of it almost? Um, and then when you look at the last bit of the film, they all come together to grieve and to to share mm. that soreness and to help each other get through that, mm. especially the father, you know, who's going to be alone now. Yeah. And and in that moment when they're all together, yeah, they all have their own agendas. You know, the, the daughter's trying to take <laughs> her mother's clothes mm, yeah. and each per- person in the family is sort of like almost like uh, vying for position in a lot of ways but they are together and they do lessen each other's grief um, by extension of being there yep. in one way or another yep. and when they do leave at the end of the film and it's just the grandfather alone he is alone mm. which goes to show again thematically and also literally that like all you have is is your family yeah at the end of the day when you strip back your career and Mm. your life and you retire and you know when you if all you have is your family then that really goes to show just how important that element still is Mm. even though the rest of the film goes to show that it's always at conflict with the rest of your life
0: yeah it's actually so interesting because i think i think most people can relate to the idea that you know their family doesn't always get get along Mm-hmm. You know, people are always in conflict with one another whether that be big or small, but there's always like a push and pull. Yeah. Um it's always a tug of war. And yeah, it's incredibly it's it's if you really like you said strip it back, the family is the basic unit of social connection. Yeah. Um we can remove all of our friends of circumstance and, you know, friends that we make along the way, but at the end of the day, like our family, our kids, their our grandchildren, our parents are the ones who will always always no matter what be connected to us and it's a very interesting uh, theme which is explored in this film very poignantly because it reflects that reality that family doesn't always get along and families sometimes don't like having to deal with each other yeah. and you know people make excuses but they come to their senses a little bit but then they make excuses again like it's always it's almost cyclical yeah, And it's even, even let's say, like, in the scene at the end of Tokyo Story, where the whole family gathers um, to grieve their mom, Tomi, who's just passed away, and to support their dad, there is an element of still, once again, like, which has been present throughout the film, self-interest and selfishness, and, yeah. oh, crap, I'm busy, I gotta go back home now. Yeah, And they definitely, without thought, most of the siblings just get up and leave mm-hmm. after about a day. And they take all the stuff that they want. And yeah. they kind of just give their dad a pat on the back and be like, you'll be all right. See yeah. you later. Um, and they leave. And it's it's interesting because they immediately gravitated back home um, to see their mother pass away and to be at her funeral. But the moment it's gone, they're like, all right. You back know, to business. Back to business. Um, and it was interesting. It, that was a very interesting... Um, a way that Ozu portrayed the family because I think that's kind of how most people's families work we all spread out and then we suddenly (laughs) see each other at these big events like weddings and funerals yeah we
1: converge for these sort of like these supposedly meaningful uh, moments in lives Mm. these milestones birthdays Mm -hmm. Birthdays, all types of things Um, but when you strip it back like I think you you know whether or not like they have any actual meaning in Mm. the moment yeah um yeah, and maybe maybe there is a, a lack of meaning for, for the grandfather at the end, you know, when he
0: no, sort of releases the children. that broke my heart because I think one other big thing that I took away from the film is, like, that idea of marriage and life partnership yeah. and going through life with one person for 30, 40, 50 years. I don't know how long the elderly couple in this film are married, but the idea of losing that, that was also another massive theme that I picked up in the film. and. Yeah. I think, well, could, we could go a little bit technical here, but there is this thing um, in the film which Ozu does where the characters, especially the two characters of the elderly wife and the elderly husband, they are constantly mirroring each other. Mm-hmm. They're seated in um, a kneeling position at all times and they match each other. They're symmetrical. yeah. And so every single time you see them together for like the first hour of the film, it's like two figures walking along, sitting together, kneeling together um, sleeping together, their yep. sandals, are uh, together.
1: They share frames. They
0: share frames. They become one organism. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no, there's no marriage. There's no husband and wife without each other.
1: Yeah. And I feel like also the younger couples were shot a lot of the time to be in separate frames. Mm. So showing they are together, they are caring about each other, but like yeah. they're still growing together almost. Yeah. Whereas like yeah. the, the elderly couple have this sort of like Symbiote, symbiotic nature where yeah they just cannot be separated.
0: Mm, um, mm.
1: Yeah, and like you said, the thought of losing that, or like obviously the reality of losing that um, mm. for 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 everyone, it is a reality that if you end up in a in a in a long term relationship or a long term partnership, um, you will eventually lose one or the other. Um, so and I, I love that this film confronts that and and doesn't offer any sort of escapism um, to that element of family as well because you know this film does it does deal with every single element of family you know and like even what grief and loss does to you as well you know like i think there's quite a an undercurrent of um yeah. of sadness when when the elderly couple talk or think about or see photos of, of their son who died in the mm, war yeah and um i think that you know the, the film discusses post-world war Two japan and you know how they how they grieved with with that loss of, of the young men and coming to terms with the fact of you know the the senseless death of, of world war Two and now people are just left without husbands and without children, um, mm. without fathers. Yeah. Um, and and the reality of what that looks like as well. So this film this film does have a lot of wide thematic reach, that's for sure. It
0: has a lot to say about a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, Quite
1: aptly named Tokyo Story. Tokyo Story, story because
0: <laughs> what else can you say? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's the story of the lives of people in, in Tokyo. Tokyo right? <laughs> and like,
0: <laughs> it pretty much sums it all up because, I don't know, that's yeah uh, like one more note on the whole big grief thing um i don't know if you felt this way as well Stephen, but because we see the couple the elderly couple together for large majority of the film 90 percent of the film they're together Mm -hmm. i don't know if you picked up on this but i think ozu's use of imagery was so strong to create it created a very strong empathetic feeling in me for that couple and Mm -hmm. to see one of them exist and move on and live without the other. Sub I don't know whether it was psychologically I just felt like the image of the husband who was now a widower. He looked weaker, he looked frailer, he mm-hmm. looked older, he looked like he had kind of he looked like he had gone through a massive loss. Yeah. And it would be difficult for him from now on to continue living this way that he used to be. Yeah. As happy as he used to be, as content as he used to be. And that was also very heartbreaking. And I don't I don't know, that kind of, that image stuck with me for a very long time after watching this film. I haven't quite forgotten it just yet. Yeah. Um,
1: and like you say, like, yeah, exactly. You know, the the look on his face says everything, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. the entire time that we see this couple sort of have to do everything by themselves and, you know, get shipped away to places and yeah. sort of visit different places, they are doing it together. And, yeah. Um, that's sort of maybe what gets them... What makes their life bearable? What makes th- them dealing with the fact that their children don't need them anymore and they're disconnected from their family physically and emotionally? Um, mm-hmm. What makes that bearable is that they have each other. And so for him to lose that at the end really is the end of the film, but also the end of his life in a lot of senses as well.
0: Pretty much, yeah. And also because we've already established that his kids are never going to come see him. Yeah. You know, you think that um... this is the same,
1: like this might be the last time that they ever do see him and there is sort of a. A, a a dutiful aspect to that, and uh and you know, like I can't imagine him living long after that.
0: Me neither. No, I I I, I think that's what made me so sad. Like you could just kind of read the, read the screen, read the read the frame, and you could kind yeah. of tell that this man, he didn't really have much to live for, after that. There's yeah. not much keeping him going. Yeah. Um, and that was. Extremely heartbreaking, honestly, Yeah, who's really sad because, again, like I said, this film, it's so timeless. It's so relatable. I'm sure there are thousands, millions of old widows and widowers, just yeah. like the one in Tokyo Story, who, having faced the loss of their partner and the fact that their kids have all grown up, you know, face the same sort of emptiness and loneliness and sadness.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, I think that to a certain extent as well, when you think about it in, in the longevity of a person's life, um, specifically within society, you know, um, especially back in those days, you know, if you're talking like this couple are in their, you know, 60s, 70s, mm. they're born in the 1800s, right? Yeah. So, I didn't think
0: about that. Yeah.
1: So their whole yeah. lives, they, you know, they grew up with their families, oh. probably big families from small towns in, mm. in, in Japan, grew up, witnessed a lot of change, went to school, mm. probably met each other young, probably got married young, yeah. had their children young, yeah. raised their children, spent their elderly years together and now alone. So, how often in this man's life has he ever actually been alone? Yeah. And like, yeah. I guess that like that profound loneliness that like he's going to experience now, he's perhaps never experienced in his entire life.
0: No. And to experience that at the end of your life, you know, yeah. oh my God. What a like, sad
1: way to, <laughs> to frame life.
0: It literally, yeah, it kind of makes me sort of scared almost sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Of what
0: faces us all, you know, because um, truth be told, like most of us are going to outlive someone that we love. Mm. You know, and to grapple with that is really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, and I think this is this is probably why Tokyo Story is so iconic and still lauded as one of the greatest films ever made. It's so human. It's so yeah. relevant. It's so...
1: Well, think about that statement you were just saying, like, we're going to yeah. outlive someone that we love. That happens yeah. to almost every character in this film. Ah, because yeah,
0: that's true. the husband
1: outlives his wife, but yeah. also the wife outlives her son, and yeah. also Noriko outlives her husband. husband. So yeah. like in every single sense of the word, somebody mm. ha- has outlived someone mm. in, in this film and, and you deal with that process of grief. Mm. Um, so it's just a fantastically poised film, like yeah. with a narrative that is just so engaging. Yeah. Um, are there any, I'm just trying to think now, are there any highlight scenes that you, that, that you think that mm. are really important to talk about that you were important excited to talk about?
0: about? Well, I don't know. I think one thing that always struck me um, is also just the setting. Yeah. Of the film, I really enjoyed the setting. So, for context, the film is set, I think, in real time in 1953. Yeah. So, that would be eight years after the end of World War II, after the bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima by the U.S. Um, and so, this is a Japan, this is a Tokyo that is still recovering from that, um, that is on its way to becoming uh,
1: megalithic the... City megalithic city Yeah, you
0: neon know, beyond-light-saturated uh, city that it is today, and... It was really interesting that Ozu, throughout the film, he sort of like intercuts scenes of this family drama, because that's what it is, essentially, with scenes of its surroundings. So, um, apartment buildings, mm-hmm. or alleyways, or rivers, or, you know, any any sort of, you know, like... Scene trains. Of, trains, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Trains and train stations. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely a very deliberate choice, because he does it throughout the entire film. Mm. And it's like still frames, still with, frames. With, with
1: movement in them, like whether it's yeah. the people giving movement, the yeah. items, the objects giving movement. Exactly. Like, um, I think there's even some beautiful shots of like windows and reflections where you see the sun passing yeah. or the clouds passing, just yeah. time passing yeah. um, in the setting, which is really beautiful.
0: It is gorgeous. I think it's the sort of... I, I found that it was in those scenes that the meanings the film we're trying to convey were actually sinking in
1: yeah the film um, gives you that space right it does to, give yeah. you a
0: lot of space to like reflect and 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 ruminate mm, that's yeah, a big word absolutely ruminate
1: yeah well you know like I feel like sometimes <laughs> films that <laughs> that do let you ruminate, ruminate. Um, can be sort of categorized as slow or boring or like yep. badly paced but yep. I think this is an example of a film that is is yes it is slower than like you might find in a lot of modern films but yep it is it is perfectly paced for what it is i
0: find it so gripping it, which it, is so strange
1: absolutely like yeah. it, it, a film doesn't need to be edited <laughs> to all hell to bloody <laughs> ma- <laughs> to keep your interest to keep you entertained you no. know like we do as a society now sort of have a collective adhd mind when we watch films we need sort of things to be coming at us left right and center all mm. the time constantly entertained because we do have these dopamine driven brains mm. from you know the tiktok generation and instagram <laughs> and all this sort of stuff yep. but but this is a film very much of its time that that really gives you the space and and comfort to to, like you said let those themes sink in let let the bigger moments really have the impact emotionally on you whether it just be carried through a still frame with some beautiful music accompanied because it does have a fantastic score it as does. well yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Um, i forgot about that it has a great score it's a beautiful score
1: yeah and like mm. a, a lot of I also wonder as well, like I haven't quite worked out in my own brain, like what the thematic value of this is, but a lot of the shots that Ozu framed up were of physical frames within the frame. So like, you know, using archways in the house to to frame certain moments or certain characters of the family or, you know, like looking through windows and looking through through gaps in infrastructure and using these sorts of things. And he was just a, just a genius at, at creating very interesting frames. And I think when, when you have that natural eye for for cinematic language, that that really is a better way of going about keeping your film's interest than, than fast-paced editing.
0: Yeah, so that's actually a really interesting point. Um, um, like the thematic value of these sorts of frames within a frame. And I struggle with that as well because I'm terrible at analysis. But no. um, I mean, I think one thing that was quite interesting was, yeah, like the frame within the frame, he, they use doorways and arches as sort of, like to mirror the four three ratio of yep. of this, this this the film the so film cool. itself and I can't or I can't I can't quite properly unpack that but I do know that. You know how he does these shots within the house where he goes from room to room to room? Yeah. And the camera stays pretty still, but the shot is pretty much always the same, but he's in a different room. Yeah. And they kind of cycle through the rooms and he reuses the same angles and when you visit the houses and you know, it's it's quite an interesting technique like it, he he kind of has like in each place that you visit, he kind of has like five standard angles yeah that he reuses over and over again yeah and I believe like the way that I interpreted it was that he's trying to create a sense of everyday routine yes so everything is as per normal and you know life goes on as it does we work we wake up we eat we sleep you know we chat we go back to bed routines Routines. life goes on and you saw the characters fill up the screen, um, but at, by the end of the film, you actually lose one of the characters, mm. and I think that loss is felt because the same shots mm. are reused, but you're missing someone. It's emptier. It's yeah. emptier yeah. physically. Um, yeah. Physically, the same life continues, the same routine that you usually do um, continues, but this time for the elderly man, for the for the widower, um, he has you can. There's a palpable sense that he has lost something. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing sometimes to deal with in terms of loss um, when someone is gone but you've just got to keep living your normal life Yeah. you, know, you somehow still got to learn how to exist without that other person um, you've got to do everything that you've got to do you've got to eat, your, feed yourself you've got to sleep, you've got to clean up you've got to, you know, all these things but you get so used to doing it someone else that when they're gone you don't really quite know how to do those things anymore
1: yeah absolutely i think like you said that's that's such a brilliant way for ozu and you know the whole creative team to to, sh- to show you how that routine uh goes on even after death but but is but is lonelier is sadder. like that, that's a brilliant physical way to bring about that that thematic um value exactly um another thing that spoke to me as well definitely was um uh, the, the This is this is very typical of the time, uh, speci- specifically in Asian cinema that I've found of the time, is uh, to have a still frame, like you say, and then have the characters uh, move around within the frame and sort of like almost like uh, a bit of like a stage um, play mm-hmm. for the actors. And, and the blocking work in this film was excellent. You know, at multiple times you have five, six actors on screen at one point. You know, it can get confusing, but they, they each have their own role to play. Um, you know, they don't stand at the same depth. You know, mm. they interact with the space. Yeah. Um, it feels all very natural and lived in, mm. um, which I just think is is a real testament to the directing again um, and is something that you see a lot of. Kurosawa, I'm sure, took inspiration from this um, for films like High and Low um, and and other films of his where blocking was used to the absolute supremeness. Um, yeah, and probably, like, one final, like, big point I want to make is, is, is actually came from something that you wrote as well in your review. Is um, that this film is sort of about the monuments that you make, you know, in your life, right, and, the, and that you create. You know, mm. Tokyo itself is, is a monument to the country, is a monument to society, to mm. to the world. You know, it's it's this big city that is like uh, a hub of culture and education and science and learning and finance progression and, and finance. And yeah, Absolutely, capitalism
0: and yeah, it
1: is the it's one of the great monuments to, to life um and then within and then you break it down smaller right and family is the great monument to self because it's you know it's it's commitment to another person it's uh, it's love and support and compassion and sharing for your children and it's uh, ultimately its selflessness to let them go and live their own life mm. and i feel like um this film has a lot to say about the city itself tokyo being the place that inhabits um and breeds these families but also where we make monuments to ourselves as well, and maybe um that the, through the families the, the elderly couples journey through the city, they realize that this monument to the society and world is actually quite vapid and empty, and mm. and really doesn't say much about us at all. But really, what says more about us is our family. Yeah. And um, and sometimes they look at their family and they don't see they don't see their children the way that they thought they wanted to be. But also yeah. they say that you know their children didn't end up the worst. They didn't let us down, but yeah. they're just different. And which yeah. is <laughs> it's, it's just a funny little parental commentary because I feel like to some extent we all feel like we're, we're letting our parents down at some point one or mm-hmm. way or another. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I guess I don't know exactly where I'm going with that point. But do, do you kind of understand I get what, what I'm you saying?
0: mean? Yeah, I think that Tokyo's the the sort of Tokyo as a monument to power and money and um, progress is quite interesting because what built those buildings, right? What built that system which powers Tokyo's economic e- economy. You know, what built um, what built that sort of lifestyle, it's essentially time away from family. Sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, people spending time away from their family, whether it be working in those buildings or making, like, actually constructing those buildings or creating those work-life cultures, those balances. That's, that's what it is. So it's interesting that the film sort of positions it as, like, its central message as being... Look what happens. This is this is a portrait of a family where the kids don't have time for their parents. And what are they doing? They're working. They're having meetings after hours. They're they're they don't have time they to don't, take they don't us to, through the city to exactly. literally take a day off work. They they to to take a time day off, one day. one day off. They have. It's 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 an interesting commentary because essentially what Ozu is asking is, well, what is this all for? Yeah, and you know, was it worth it? Was That's it worth it? That's essentially what he's asking. Was yeah. it worth it? And was it worth it? The film
1: doesn't offer you an answer, but I, I think mm. the closest that we get is perhaps um, that that line from, from the from the father or the grandfather when, when you know, they're, they're on holiday and they're, and they're going to leave. And I think they say, um, I think I've seen enough.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, that is that is sort of the perfect way to maybe wrap this review up. That mm. um, yeah, I, I think that, there's some, there's some beautiful beautiful stuff in this film And I think that we've sort of done A good job at unpacking I Sort of a, so. lot, a lot of the themes and moments in this film
0: I think so And I'm really excited to see more of Ozu's films oh, um, yes. I didn't know this before this um, and I lent this in my film class nice. but this film, Tokyo Story is actually the third part of a trilogy Yes. by Ozu called the Noriko Trilogy mm-hmm. where it follows the story of a character named Noriko who's a different Noriko every single time, played by the same woman however yeah. um, Setsuo Hara um, in three separate films with three separate stories, all pretty much about the same thing yeah. um, but I'm really keen to watch the first and second which I believe are late summer and early spring And Tokyo Story is actually the third and final one and considered the crowning glory on this trilogy. So I'm very, very keen to watch this. Mm. And I'm also (laughs) also very aware
1: of uh, another film of his called Good Morning, which I hear is just absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About two children rebelling against their parents by... Uh, well, that's who very take different. away their TV. So, <laughs> that's uh,
0: very different from the rest of his films which are essentially about widows and marriage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that's basically like... That's basically the, the his, man his who thing. made 10 films about the same thing. Widows and
1: families. <laughs> family. Yeah. <laughs> Just family. Yeah. And I guess one last fact I should probably plug in there as well because I feel like it's a relatively unknown fact is the interesting thing about this film is I think in 21st century life, we've become accu- accustomed to, to films being remade mm. From, uh, cin- uh, Japanese cinema, but I- in this case, this is actually a case of a Japanese film being remade.
0: Oh yes, from,
1: from British cinema. Was it British? Uh, I believe British or American. I actually don't know. It's Western. one of the two. Western. <laughs> That's always a safe way to put it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a, a film called uh, I think it's from the nineteen thirty-two or thirty-three. Around that time, um, yes. Called Make Way for Tomorrow. Yeah. So if you have watched Tokyo Story and you haven't seen Make Way for Tomorrow. Um, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I haven't seen it personally, but, I, but I hear it's just as good mm. and uh, moving in a different way. You know, this is, that's a world po- post-World War I, but pre-World War Two. Mm. So I'm sure it will have a whole bunch of different things to say about life in mm. that sort of um, Great Depression, in that yeah. sort of, yeah. that, that lull period f- for the world.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's actually, I think if I'm not wrong, the plot is slightly different. Yes, but I think it concepts, is. But the concepts, the core concepts are pretty much the same. So that'd be a really cool thing to watch as well
1: yeah absolutely that would be the perfect way to to me put the cherry on top with this film so Mm. thanks so much guys for joining us and thank you Mia you did a great (laughs) job on your first episode oh no I know uh, everyone can't wait to have you back I bet already
0: well we're watching Vertigo tomorrow we
1: are watching Vertigo tomorrow so there's (laughs) there's a little hint for, for something that we'll definitely be putting out soon as well so yeah we really hope you guys enjoyed the episode of today's Dramaturgically podcast and until next time have a great day